Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 460. Coming at you. I'm with Johnny V. Thank you, Terry. Thank you for introducing me. Do I need to introduce myself? Some podcasts do that. Some people are like, I'm Terry Miller. Then somebody else would be like, I'm John Van Dersen. We're 460 in. We should probably nail these little intricacies down. <sighs> eh. I don't know about that. <laughs> I think we skipped some of that. We, we, we did. We skipped general generic podcasting school. I'm really happy, though, because I can say podcasting school now without any plosives. We got an, I got a new pop filter over yeah. here on my microphone. And, and that's largely because you're such a K-pop fan. Well, yes, I, I'm a uh, B, BTS. They're yep. my fave. That figures. That figures. That's, that's exactly why why they're all here is because they knew you would be tonight. Super cool guest that's going to join us literally in just a few moments. We're going to have one Parker Welk, our newest winner on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. We'll break down what we saw from the DDO this weekend. Uh, some international action taking place, some PDGA things going on. And then we are just a few days shy of the 2023 Des Moines Challenge, uh, of course, taking place over there in Iowa. So no point in effing around because this guy doesn't. He just goes out and gets it done. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Our champion from the Dynamic Dis Open, Parker Welk. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. What's up, guys? How are we doing today? Not oh, not too bad. Not nearly as well as you, I think. Yeah. I, had, yeah. I, I had to go out and I had to follow you on Instagram. I'm sure I'm one of thousands of other people now that have done that. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I have to keep up on Instagram with all the pros. And I, I'm sorry to say yours wasn't on the list before this weekend. I'm sorry. You better recognize <laughs> <Yeah>. Johnny. <laughs> how, how does that feel? I, I saw you make a post. Uh, talking about new followers, new fans, and the support. What's the what has been the outpouring been like for you? It has been just just wild. There has been so many different people uh, just leaving me all sorts of messages. I I got through my Instagram list today, and then <laughs> I opened Facebook, and then it's just boom. Just it's it's so incredible how how 
all these comments are, they're all positive. There's nothing negative to say about me. And it just fills my heart with joy. And I, I'm, it's super special to me. They don't know you yet. Yeah, by the time we're done tonight, we'll we'll get some hate. We'll get some negative comments on you. Do you know, (laughs) out of curiosity, do you know about where your Instagram was before the weekend versus after the weekend? Oh, yeah. I was about a thousand followers um, for the weekend. Okay. Hello? Yeah, you're here. Yeah. You're just, for some reason, you're a little bit choppy on us, but I think we got you. Yeah, you should be all right. Um, Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I was at about a thousand followers. With with winning comes these responsibilities and or opportunities, however you want to word it, uh, including a ton of new followers, lots of messages to reply to, extra media attention that you you know are getting pulled in in directions for, uh, extra sponsorships may or may not be popping off, and people reaching out. Um, what what's been the most surprising thing that you've seen or read or heard or or been approached about? Has there been anything like? wildly surprising in, in all of that melee? Um, you know, not, not really there. Okay. There's nothing that's like really like thrown me off. There's been a, a ton of like funny comments though. I went through like the Reddit cause my homie Jake was telling me about, there was some, uh, there was some Reddit comments. So I went through it and I clicked on one and it was like, uh, this kid doesn't even win local C tiers. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, skipping some of those, uh, you know, kind of those building blocks uh, that most of the time we see people doing, you know, C tiers, B tiers, A tiers, uh, silver events, you know, those are kind of the natural progression of how sometimes people come up. Not anymore, bro. You just show up. Gannon Burr, right to a major practically. Yeah. You know, Parker Welk, right to the, right to the lead series. (laughs) What, um, well, okay, let, let's just backtrack. Uh, because we haven't had you before, we when we get brand new people, uh, especially with your freshness to uh, the scene in, for a lot of people, let's start with some of the basics such as, um, you know, you said you were born and raised in Hawaii, but tell us how you got introduced to disc golf and like what the story is with you and your family and playing disc golf. Yeah, so I think my mom mentioned to you, I'm not sure which date it was, it was either like second or third, um, that they went out to a disc golf course um, before they got married. They just, I guess that's what they did. And so my dad's been a, a disc golfer for, for quite a long time. And um, I was pretty much born into it. He would always go up to, uh, we have a course called uh, Poli Poli. It's on Haleakala Mountain on in Maui. And uh, he would always go up there. It's about an hour and a half drive from our house. And I just, you know, tag along four years old or something, ripping, uh, ripping sidearms up and down the, the volcano there. And, uh, as it was just, it's always been around. It's always been there for me. And when, uh, you guys would go out and play now, it's you and your brother, you have a brother named Austin, right? Is he, he's a little bit younger. That is true. And he's and older, mom... he's two years older than me. Oh, two years older. Okay. And then your mom's a golfer. And so we're, of course, the Hawaii tournament scene's a little different. It's not nearly as robust uh, overall, but talk to us about what it is like playing in Hawaii. And then, you know, can you describe it? Can you compare it to anything else that people maybe are used to here in the States, in the rest of the States? Sorry. Yeah. So um, we, we all kind of play. My brother's actually 
a fantastic disc golfer, but he just doesn't play. Um, but the Hawaii scene is, it's much different. They have something called the, the HDGA, okay. the Hawaii Disc Golf Association instead of the PGA. Um, and they do like their own local stuff. You know, there's nothing rated about it. It's kind of just, you go out there and may the, me- may the best man win. Um, but it's all, it's pretty cool. Um, and growing up, I did play a bunch of those events. Uh, we always had like our junior things with like me and my four other friends or something like that, that were in the same grade. And, um, I would always smoke them by like 50 strokes or something like that. Uh, it's, it, it was, it was really cool growing up there. Um, the courses are, they're all different. Um, we have on Maui, we have Napili Park, which is a, I think it has eight baskets, but there, it's an 18 hole course. That you kind of just play it around one side and then play it back the, on the backside. And then, uh, which is fun. It's super short. Every hole is like 200 feet. Um, and then that's the closest one to my house or my old house. And then we have KCC and Kahului, which is a, it's like on a beach, honestly. It's it's just sand everywhere. <laughs> um, it's it's different. You know, all the tee pads are rubber. They're a little bit messy. Um, and so when I go back and play those courses, it's just, I'm just like kind of thrown off a little bit because <laughs> we're so spoiled uh, playing on the disc golf road tour with all these sharpened tee pads and everything is great out here. And then, but I wanted to leave this one for the last because it's the best. We have a course called um poli poli up in haleakala which is the main course i feel on maui it's on privately owned land so you won't find it on udisc or anything um but it's it's the course with the best view on earth you won't find a disc golf course with a better view than what that course offers um the t-pad same deal they're kind of just rubbery a little bit slippery maybe rough broken but um, the holes, the holes are spectacular. There has been so much work put into that course, um, throughout the years and all the baskets are homemade and, um, the, the sound they make with the chains, they're a little bit heavier and it, I will never forget the sound of those baskets. It's, it's, it's a bittersweet feeling knowing I can always think about that and, uh, and go back to kind of my roots. So I, I have to ask, and, and I do not want to get too far sidetracked on this, but since we're right here with it, there's also a gentleman who loves to promote and talk about that course and then loves to stir up a lot of drama online because he talks about how everyone should go play it. But then, as you just said, it's private, and I think certain permission is needed, but people can play, but yet it's not officially marked in some ways. And it sounds like there's a lot of really... Uh, particular um, circumstances around it as, as amazing as it is. And this gentleman loves to just like blow it up and create all this drama over it like 24 seven. And it feels like he's calmed down in the last few years, but you you know who I'm talking about, right? I think I, I know of the name if you were to tell me the name, but I, I don't think I've ever met him and okay. um, I do hear about him. But yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, it is private and you, and you have to respect it. That's, that's a lot of the Hawaiian culture. You need to be respectful. And, uh, I, am not, I'm not sure if that's disrespectful by saying, you know, come and play it, but also you got to think that it's, 
it, it should be private based on how much time th- those locals have put into it and and it should be their prized possession you you should ask permission to to go play it yeah, yeah and, say, and, and i'm i'm yeah. i'm backing all of that up. It, yeah. i'm backing all of that up i totally agree it's it's just this ongoing drama and he's gotten into fights with plenty of people online and everything else about it and and i continue to see because that's what i've been told is that there is all this respect and these particular things that go along with it and he wants to continue to blow it up like everybody on the planet should be there playing and it's their God-given right because he thinks it's great and everyone should be there. And it's like, no, it sounds like there's some nuances to it. And let's just be respectful of that. That seems to be the part where he disconnects. But anyway, again, we'll, we'll move on from that. But uh, it's you're one of the few people that actually has this direct insight into you know Hawaii disc golf. So you guys as a family, though, all moved to HB or to, to where in California? How, how does HB get the connection um, and, and so on? How does all this tie together? Well, actually, HB is just me and my wife. Um, okay. My, my, uh, right when I moved out from, uh, from Hawaii, it was my dad and my mom and my brother stayed back. Um, and my dad had his business that he was doing out in California. So he was flying back and forth, seemed like every other week. And that's a lot of flying to, to do from Hawaii. So he uh, decided to kind of just get out to California. I followed him there. Um, I was tired of kind of being on a rock there for a little bit. I wanted to see the world. So I went to California. And uh, with that, I went to started going to college. And I started meeting friends. And I started to pick up disc golf a little bit more with uh, – West Coast Disc Golf and Jeff and Ryan Spore at the Huntington Beach shop. Um, they, they've helped me like crazy throughout my disc golf journey. Um, but it wasn't up until I got married and moved in with my wife, Allie, that we, uh, I'm claiming Huntington Beach as my, my home because that is where we live now. Okay. Okay. That all makes, uh, makes perfect sense then. Um, what's your tour been like this year? I mean, of course, we've seen you at a few events. I've got another follow-up to that in a moment, but what's your tour been like and how, uh, how did you structure your tour for 2023? Maybe that's the best way to start this. Well, um, silver tour path. I was able to sign up for all the silver events or elite series events. So um, I picked the four probably hardest ones to get into, got those. And then, uh, all the silver series I signed up for, except for like New York and Canada, I believe. And then, um, I was able to sign up for all the other elite series just based off of uh, rating. So, um, I was able to get into pretty much everything. So my friend Jake and I, we have a truck and a pull trailer that we're, we're hauling throughout the, the country and we're, we're having fun doing it. Uh, and when you speak of Jake, that's uh, what Jake Brown. Jake Brown, yes. Yeah, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting and filming Jake uh, back in Arizona earlier in the year, and uh, I obviously learned, saw, and learned of his skill sets at that point, and he was right out there. I think he was the loudest of your entire <laughs> fan fan uh, fandom out there, including even louder than your mom for the weekend, which was awesome. Yeah. It was cool to see him out there and, and to support me. I mean, neither of us have been in any situation like that before, so <laughs> it was cool that he was there. It really sounds like if you want to win an event, you tour with a guy named Jake. Last week, we had Evan Scott on, who tours with Jake Mon. Yeah. This week, we've got Parker Welk on, who's touring with his Jake. 
this is great. Everybody just get themselves a Jake and you'll be winning on tour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I brought up earlier following you on Instagram. And, and I want to ask before we kind of get into a little tournament stuff, Disc Goat, that is your handle? Yeah. I mean, is yeah. Thank you for asking about that. Thank you so much for asking about that. Um, explain. Yeah, so please explain it to me. I think I was. Uh, what was I? I was. I was West Side Howley at first. Howley is like a term you use in Hawaii for like foreigner. Um, and obviously, I'm white, so I'm not Hawaiian. Uh, so I was the the West Side Howley, and it was kind of catchy. And I moved out to California, changed it to Cali Howley, which is it sounds weird but it was cool like my my Hawaii my Hawaii crew and friends and stuff and then uh I was like dang dude I think I want to take disc golf seriously and and so I was like trying to come up with like disc golf names and stuff and I was like disc goat how is that not taken right now <laughs> click save me <laughs> oh I mean, it's it wasn't bold, it, I bold, say it wasn't taken because that's a bold ballsy statement to go with like oh yeah goat like it's one thing you're like oh maybe you were saying I'm from Hawaii we had a bunch of goats that kind of rung together but no it's like cool I know that I am the disc goat that that's who I am that is a that is a no. that is a place that I know you're not saying that but that is a place to a, a strive to that is quite the uh quite the foreshadowing precursor precursor would be a good uh, word whatever. that uh, <laughs> That you're looking for. What, how much, uh, as a side note to that, how much does social media, how much does the internets and the reddits and the Facebooks and all that stuff, even before this weekend, how much of that is within you? How, how much stuff do you pay attention to? Well, for me, it's basically only Instagram. Um, and it's been cool to have a photographer on the Disc Golf Pro Tour so I can actually post things. Because if you go down through like my feed, it's it's like just horrible pictures and you know <laughs> nothing professional. So having that is 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 really cool and and uh, it it makes everything seem a little bit more professional as well. So I'm I'm happy for that. Yeah, and, uh, Kevin yeah. And, and, and everyone I, I, I'm else. I'm not that's... meaning to call myself the great. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I'm I'm not meaning to call myself the greatest of all time. I I don't think that'll ever be accomplished by me, but. Uh, and I, I think Paul Macbeth is the greatest of all time, for sure. And I don't think I would ever take that away from him. Uh, <laughs> um, what, what are how how does it come about? So when you start thinking about taking disc golf more seriously, how does Prodigy come about? How do sponsorships and touring like? What are those conversations like to what is it, uh, to, to get you to where you you know were ready to go out this year? And what is that conversation like with your wife? What? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you were asking me some awesome questions. Thank you. Um, I, I guess I'll start talking about my, my wife here real quick. Um, we're brand new. Uh, we just got married last October in Hawaii. And, uh, so we're brand new couple and this is our first year of marriage and we're apart. So it's, it's really weird, but also we are so strong together and I can always go back and visit her whenever I want an off week. And, uh, she is amazing and I love her so much, but, um, the, what was the second part about that question? Sorry. Uh, I got to thinking like the, about Allie. The, the idea of like going oh, on tour sponsors, like making this career yeah. move and decision. Oh, so you guys will like this. Um, I actually started, I think it was, so a year and a half ago, little, we'll call it two years. Um, I 
I started sending out sponsorship offers and nobody, nobody wanted me. Everyone. And at the time I was like just over a thousand rated. Uh, nobody wanted me. I, I wanted, uh, I wanted to be on Discraft, and, and I, I did their uh, underground team rejection. Um, I wanted, I wanted, I, I messaged every company, you name a company and I messaged them and I got rejected by them. Um, including prodigy and prodigy street team is actually the specific thing that I wanted. Um, cause I didn't think I was good enough to be an actual sponsored player. So, um, after getting rejected by every single company, I still continued to play. Um, it didn't have it in me to quit. And I think what did it for me was I played master's cup. Um, and when I played master's cup round one, I played with Gannon Burr. And on Gannon Burr's bag is was Mark Anderson, the Prodigy CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played my game. Uh, I played very well for that tournament. Of course, Dela is just very difficult. But um, I think Mark kind of saw something in me. And uh, he came up to me the next day and, and he wanted to talk to me. And he, he, I think he really took a liking to me. And... Uh, the bond we had from seemingly the first time we met was just, it, it was cool. He's such an awesome dude. And he said he wanted to talk next week at OTB open, which was uh, the next tournament. And so I went to OTB open and he wanted to meet me on like the bleachers after the final round or something. So we went to the bleachers and Gannon was there and he kind of just went to go putt off on hole 18 while we were talking. And he, he said he, he wanted to offer me a sponsorship and I was blown away. Uh, you know, not nobody wanted me. And then here he comes offering me uh, a contract and I was just, just blown away by the guy, a uh, top notch dude. And, um, yeah, so that's how prodigy came about. And ever since then, it's just been kind of, you know, prodigy is awesome. Everyone on, on the team seems like, uh, especially after this past week, we're, we're all we're all boys. It's it's really cool. <laughs> they want to hang out with the the coolest kid, the the Slayer out there. Start wedging your way into those Alden <laughs> vlogs. Like, hey guys, the, I'm I'm a prodigy winner yeah. too. <laughs> uh, this is something I I didn't have the right way to fit in, and and it it just it was really truly a timing thing. I one of the times I remember seeing your name this year, and you maybe know where this is going, was. When I thought you maybe missed a few holes and then had a terrible round and then shot 19 strokes better the next day, this was what OTB just a few weeks ago. Like, yeah, we talked about this. I, I'm looking at your scorecard and I remember being in the booth and we talked about, like, look at this guy who's, who's improved he was, 19 strokes. You were almost in last place. Is that right? You were very close. <laughs> I was, I think I was on like second or third card out or something just wild. And there was a dude that I played with. Um, he was, we were like talking about like scores and stuff, like what they wanted to shoot. And I was like, yeah, I, I just want to get back to like, even I'm, I'm fine with eight, eight under today. And then he like looked at me and he like totally scoffed at me. And he's like, it's like, that's never going to happen, man. He didn't say that, but I knew that's what he was like kind of talking about. Ended up shooting an 11 down, which is a uh, way better than what I was hoping for. I- 
It's yeah. the, I mean, it's those bottom card talks. Like, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to get there. I mean, I I know I've been there, and he's like, I'd like to get back to even, and everyone's like, yeah, we all right. would, buddy. We all would. <laughs> but what that? What that? I'm gonna say, what, what the hell happened? How do you go from shooting an eight over to an eleven yes. under twenty less than twenty four hours later? It, it was wild. Um, first of all, my wife was there, and my mom and my dad were there to to support me that weekend, and. I guess that first round, it was, I was, I was going through a rough stretch of just feeling like the most unlucky player on planet earth. There, there wasn't a shot that I, I could, I would throw without hitting like a little limb or something to kick me just straight down or kick me straight out of bounds or, or anything. Like I couldn't do anything to stay in bounds or miss trees or anything like that. And, uh, I had a talk with Allie and, uh, my wife is named Allie and, uh, she said, just create your own luck. You don't, you don't need to be unlucky. Just create your own luck. And, and that's kind of stuck with me ever since she said that. And, uh, it's just a different, different frame of mind when you, when you think that it's, uh, you, you start playing better. And I what? think that's what did it for me. I, that's, that's, that's adorable. And I love it. It's amazing. But 19 strokes, like you, you improved by two or five or maybe eight. Like you really turned things around and like, Man, I had an eight-stroke difference. Nine, you literally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> over a stroke per hole average is what you improved upon. Some, um, some days just aren't your days, man. And, and when then some days really are. That's right. Some days are. <laughs> Again, all in 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 nothing but accolades. But I I remember watching that and talking about it during the OTB broadcast, and I was just like, "What the hell did this guy do? Did he miss holes the first day? Like what what happened?" So. Uh, I know we spoke on Saturday night and I said something to the effect of what would it mean to take this down? And you said something to the effect of, you know, uh, I, I don't see that happening or I don't, I don't know how I could do that. You know, these guys are so good. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts Saturday night after that interview, after you're relaxing, after you're trying to gear up, are, are you thinking in the back of your head? Well, what if I did, or how could I do this? What, what were some of your thoughts Saturday night? And Sunday morning. Um, well, s- Saturday I made that post, and and it really, you know, reading that post, the the caption I had was just, it, it made me feel like I could do it. it. It felt like the the start of like a like the most underdog story ever. Um, and I added I, I added some music to it. Uh, we are the champions by Queen or something mm-hmm. like that, and and. Uh, it was cool, and there was, there was so many thoughts going through my head. There was no relaxing that night. Trust me, there was it was only stress and and thoughts and and no sleep at all. It was it was terrifying to be in that position. Yeah, I I just well, so of course, Stat Mando, the Pro Tour, everyone then talked has since then as well added on to the stats about how high you were uh, ranked. And, you know, your, your 10, 10 rating, the lowest rating that we've seen win on the pro tour, all these stats that continue kind of just to unfold. What does it mean to you to have like reset a, uh, a bar, maybe one you weren't intending to, but you've reset a, a whole new set of, of standards and bars for people that kind of just showed up and won. What does that mean to you? Yeah. 
these guys can do it. All these guys that are near me, all these 10, 10 rated guys, they're capable of shooting uh, very hot. Um, everyone knows it. And I think it's really cool to bring them to a realization as well, where they're just like, hey, I, I can do this too. Parker did it. I can probably do this too. Yes, it's difficult, but you may have your weekend. That's just how golf is. So the, I, I remember uh, asking Hannah Wynn this. She finished third. Her best performance this year was at the North Cove event, and she finished third at that silver event. And I said to her, how repeatable is this? What does this mean? Is, is this a one weekend thing? And she essentially said, no, like I'm, I'm here and I'm ready to go now. What, what does this weekend mean to you? How repeatable, I'm not expecting you to win every weekend, but how repeatable is this caliber of golf and, and this type of result? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I got game. I'll tell you that, but I, I think that, winning this year for the best of the year is maybe maybe out of the question um because i just i'm playing new courses i've never played any of these courses before and i've played emporia that's why i did well i know that's why i did well um i was ready for it mentally i was prepared um and and but everything else it's it's all brand but we'll see i mean if, if not this year i'm winning next year that is for sure um now that I'm ready to go for 2024, it's game. And, and what does that mean for you? I mean, you, you've, you won and now you have a tour card. You don't have to worry about next year. You don't have to be that guy that's waiting for when like, all right, they all got in. Now I got to wait by my computer. You are locked in. What does, what kind of relief is that off your shoulders? Yeah, it's wild. Um, it's, it's, it's very cool to have that sort of system. Um, it does make it a little bit harder for other people to newcomers to get on tour. But now that I'm past that, uh, it's cool. Um, I, I, you know, I took this risk coming on tour. I'm, I'm away from my wife every week and, um, her and I had a conversation. I'm, I wasn't playing next year if I didn't get the tour card, I'm not coming back on tour. I want to, I want to stay with my wife and, and live life together. But now I think, uh, I think we'll be living life uh, together on the road, uh, for next year. So, it should be really, really cool and, and, and fun and, and all that stuff. And she has a job she can work remote, or you're just guys are just going to kind of get on tour and do your thing? What what's what is that yeah, look well, like for um, you guys? We're, we're, we're kind of waiting right now. She is, um, she's going to be applying to PA school here shortly. So, um, if she gets into PA school, I think she'll be doing school. Um, but if she, if she doesn't get into PA school, she's going to be hopping in with me, probably quitting her job um, and just hanging, hanging the whole time. What what were your studies and and interest outside of golf? I mean, you just got done saying there was a chance you would maybe go back to you know normal or real life, possibly non disc golf centric life, uh, if you didn't have this tour card next year. But what are some of the things? What's part of your background and interest? Yeah, I mean, I mean, growing up, I never really did the team sports besides baseball, um, but I quit baseball fairly early. Um, before I went to high school, I quit and I was just individual sport based, uh, surf, skate, you name a sport. I I pretty much did it. Um, I've have a very athletic background, uh, but I was working as a swim instructor before I decided to quit and do disc golf full time. And, uh, I loved it. It was cool. I, but 
you know, disc golf was just screaming at me, like, telling me to come. And uh, here I am. And um, of course, the community, uh, Hawaii, the Hawaiian community, and the disc golf disc golf community within already a small Hawaiian community. What's the outpouring been like in terms of people reaching out? You know, with you being the representative that you are, what's that outpouring been like? Are you talking about just Hawaii in general, or yeah, well, people? just yeah, Hawaii and like I mean, everyone's clearly claiming and excited, you know, claiming you and excited uh, for your successes, and and there's just got to be so much pride that's coming because let's be fair, we haven't seen people come from you know the state of Hawaii to then. Uh, you know, I, I don't even want to say be relevant, but just, you know, tour and, and, you know, we don't just don't have a lot of those players. I can't think of any mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Yeah, so the, you're kind of the first in a been, lot of those senses. Yeah. There has been a, a couple guys who have kind of tried it. My dad is one of them. He, he actually qualified for USDGC one of the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he got like last place or something. So, you know, Hawaii's not known to, to breed good disc golfers, if you will. Um, but it's it's cool being being that guy from Hawaii. I'm that guy, and uh, mm-hmm. there's there's such such a family out there that just supports you in everything that you do. And um, being on this podcast, actually, I, there's someone from a news station messaged me, and I saw the notification pop up. So we'll, we'll see what happens about a, a news station from Hawaii that's uh, messaging me. That's absolutely it's amazing. Been, it's been, you know. uh, so I want to ask you about, I, I was fortunate enough, I got to tune in a little bit this weekend, and, and, and maybe my timing is absolutely fortuitous to myself. I tuned in on hole nine on Saturday. When I tuned in, uh, Kelvin was off to the right, and I, I think, I think you, were, you were off a little bit. I was walking back and forth. I come walk into my TV and I see you 50, 60 out looking right at the basket. And I stop and I watch and you drain the putt on hole nine through the tree. And then maybe what could be the most iconic shot that we've seen this year, you jumping through the tree to go retrieve your disc, the V tree. Did you have that? I'll be honest. Did you have that in your head? Like if I hit this, I'm going through that tree. Like, body wise and obviously you have to throw through it but or was that yeah spur of the moment um so first shot out of bounds second shot out of bounds and i'm thinking oh no what are you doing <laughs> um there's no way i'm laying that up uh i'm putting for a bogey I, in my head in the moment i was thinking do you jump putt this do you want to jump punt this and if you airball you're going 40 long or are you going to float this one in with a little bit of a flex and you know you miss, you're going to stay close, but probably less chance of making it. Um, so I just, you know, I, my dad always says, just take your medicine. So I did the floaty bit and, uh, it worked and my disc went through it. I'm going through it. If my disc went through it. So I hopped up there and I don't really know what I was doing. Uh, a lot of people are calling it karate kick. Um, some people are calling it from like my surfing background, uh, little like surf, whatever, but, uh, it was cool. It was, it was so awesome. And to have people think of that as like, you know, the, the bogey of the year maybe, or the putt of the year or something. It's, it's really cool. Uh, yeah. The fact that, uh, you were at that point, you had no pars and clearly you were in trouble. The wheels were 
potentially, I mean, they were trying to fall off. You still ended up walking out of there with with the bogey. And and Johnny, give him full credit. That was like 80-ish. Was it 80? Yeah. It it looked 60. (laughs) The camera, it's hard to tell from where my perspective was. Yeah, it was a long range. And I kept thinking, I'm thinking in my head on the course. I'm like, Oh no! It like it, this here's is where, where it goes. Yeah, here's where it's, it's just gonna unravel. I mean, he's had a good round, but any hole can come out and bite you, and and this this is gonna be it for him. And again, you still walked away with the bogey, but uh, yeah, pretty iconic one at that when it was all said and done. Who knew a uh, who knew a bogey could still create uh, so much fanfare, right? <laughs> again, I, I've watched a lot of golf this this year so far, and to me, that might be. The, the the shot of the year so far just with, with the putt and the after reaction it's going to be tough to top it that's that's for certain and the other putt I think of was on the final day was your eagle putt from the top of the hill and your reaction to that as well it it seemed so confident it was just kind of a little fist pump and a spin maybe a little shrug of the shoulders and kind of like all right at that point you felt you had it in control or are you I don't want to say you knew you won it, but at that point you kind of had a, an idea like I'm here. This is we're, we're uh, going to run this. I, I I won it after that. There's no you can't beat me after that. I was in wow the whole time I was in like fifth gear. After I hit that putt, throw me in sixth gear. You're not beating me. I uh, I was so confident nobody on earth could have beat me there. There was nothing I I couldn't do any wrong from there on out. It was it was such a weird feeling. Which has got to be awesome, first of all, to, to have that, you know, to have that uh, that extra gear and that feeling that goes with it. Just for a moment, was there ever, have you ever looked at the tape, as we'll call it, have you ever looked at any of the film or the tape from the day before when you were near that green? Did you, did, did you, was, yeah. What, what, what's yeah, your, was, what's uh, your assessment there? Well, break it down for everyone, the, what I'm referencing first. Yeah, so this whole 14, right? Yep. 14 is uh, the par five, the one that I eagled on last day to to go ahead by one. So I threw my first shot. It was kind of chopped off to the right a little bit. But my second shot, it was like a low ceiling. So I had to do a, a super low line drive shot, like trying to play a little skip off the green, go like maybe 60 feet right or something short right to get a putt for eagle. And uh, the putt, or I mean, sorry, the, the second shot clearly never crossed in bounds up there. Um, uh, towards where I took the putt, but there was a, a very confident spotter that came up and was like, "Oh no, yeah, you 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 crossed right there, man." And we were all just kind of, "Oh, yeah, okay, whatever." Um, but now looking back at it, I I I feel I don't know how I feel about it because we made the right call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the spotter the spotter made the wrong call, but we made the right call. Um, there's no way for us to kind of see over the hill. It definitely looks like from our position uh, that it did potentially cross up there. And the benefit would always go to me um, in that situation. But I did not. I was not the one that uh, tried to defend it or say like, yo, no, no, man, I'm up here. Yeah, it was. I was just kind of like I was honestly bummed that it was out of bounds because it looked good. And uh, so the spotter, I mean, I don't want to call him out on it, but he, it was the wrong call. Sure. I yeah, mean, we can only trust what the spotters tell us, especially on blind shots. It's one of the, we'll say, downsides of our sport and the way the OB works. Because there are so many times that you, that as a player, we're guessing. 
it maybe it crossed this little corner of an island. I think I saw the shadow over the over the tree, which is over here. And if the sun is at thirty degrees, then I definitely crossed over. I mean, we've heard it all. I, I don't think anyone yeah. blames you for that type of thing. It's just you do what you you know. You, if your group all agreed and the spotter thought you crossed over, that's that's part of our game. Yeah, and and, yeah. and just know that that's why. I wondered if you had ever seen it. I was near it, and I was not a hundred percent certain as to if it had crossed, uh, you know, caught some edge on the backside of it or not. And uh, obviously, myself, Ian, Philo, who are watching catch cams or standing right there, we have our perspective. Our our opinion means absolutely nothing at that point. Um, and so when the spotter makes the call, that's, I mean, you've called it perfectly. That's exactly what your group would then expect. Unless somebody then wanted to put up a big fight and say, no, 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 there's no way you did. Then you guys have a different conversation. But if the spotter is giving you that, you would, you would go with exactly as they would have instructed. And that makes perfect sense. So I, I don't mean any, uh, you know, any ill will toward that. Um, but I, I wondered if you ever happened to see how it did unfold um in that situation so what what does it mean in terms of you're touring the rest of the year as do do any ch- uh, plans change i mean you've talked about the events you're in or you could get in and all that other stuff do any of your actual plans change at this point for what you were going to do versus say a week ago yeah um I I got enough points for that event to potentially sign up for uh, Maple Hill. So that's that's going to be coming up here after the preserve, the, the signups. So we'll see where I'm at after the preserve. Um, but that's the only kind of change. Oh, and the, the tour championships. I think yep. I got a spot in that because I did win. Yep, you won. I was going to say that you won. So that guarantees you a spot in the tour championship. You could go home today. And still come back and t- and get in whatever thirty second or whatever that bottom spot is. You're in October, yeah, yeah. You're a guaranteed into the tour championship now with that. So that's that's a potential for another really really big payday. <laughs> what what uh, yeah. what of the courses? I know you were saying earlier that some of these are new to you, some you haven't played. DDO you'd been to before. What are not only some of the courses you have played, but of the courses you haven't, what ones are you most looking forward to? Or maybe that's all of them at this point. Um, I think, I think it'd be a, a true test of myself uh, to play North Northwood black. Uh, that's, I mean, it's just, it's just the mean course that everyone talks about. And uh, <laughs> I haven't been to any other courses uh, okay. from here on out. So everything, the rest of it's all brand new to me. How how would so you no describe wins this year, but next year like eight more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, how would you describe your? I don't want to just say your favorite course, your favorite style of course, because now we've only seen you in a very small uh, sample size of courses, and then you win at the DDO. That may or may not give any true indication of what's your favorite style of course. Name some courses that you're like, yeah, this is this is where I really uh, love to play golf or want to play golf. Yeah, I want to clear the table real quick. Um, when Philo was saying, "Hey, eh, man, he's, he probably can't play in the woods or something," whatever he said. But <laughs> Waco, man, I got sixteen. Uh, 
That's just heavy woods for nine holes, man. Heck yeah, the beast is no. So, you're you're no exactly joke. right. That was your best performance this year on the Pro Tour, 16th, and that's nothing to scoff at uh, whatsoever. So I I agree with you. Go on. Um, sorry, that was in the back of my my head. Can you repeat your <laughs> no, question? No, we're here. We're here for it. Call out all the commentators. <laughs> call out the Jomez guys. Call out the Central Coast dudes. Call out the no. live guys. All of them. They've no. We've all said dumb things on the camera. <laughs> oh, are you, so, it sounds like you're. Uh, oh, there you you're, are. You're a little jumbled. So, on us. so go ahead and tell us your 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 st- the style of courses there. that you enjoy. There we go. Um, we uh, Lamarada, right? You. Yeah, you're a little sorry. You're a little choppy on us. We'll see if we we're gonna send you a lesser quality signal or no signal, um, oh, and you can just keep things yeah, going. Go ahead. But, you're good now. Okay, now go ahead. Yep. Sorry. Um. So we have a course in La Mirada. I'm sure you guys have heard of it or seen mm-hmm. it or even been there. Yep. Um. But we have a course called Golden State there, where we combine the front and the back, and that is pretty much my all time favorite course. It's it has a little bit of everything. Every shot shape you can imagine, you need to throw there. Um, there's woods, there's some open bomb shots. It has pretty much everything there. So I love that kind of style, like park, parkish, you know, a little bit of trees, maybe some longer shots. Um, honestly, every, every course I, I, I like. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, cause I, when I think of, of La Mirada, I kind of think of all, not, not quite a, a, a country club, but I mean, it, that's a little more on the open side. I mean, La Mirada a, a is a really nice park style golf. Yeah. Like, and really it's, nice. it's not comparable to say an Idlewild or a Maple Hill though, in terms of it's or anything in Charlotte for that matter. Right. I mean, or, or the beast. I mean, no, but, but we're talking about West coast golf as opposed to East coast golf. So sure. we don't have a whole lot of trees there. So we're working w- with what we're working with. Um, and it's, it does such a good job complimenting the trees there. I totally agree. And I do think I, it's beautiful. I've played there and, and I, yeah, I would love to play there. Uh, and I can see how you love that. I'm just thinking of the different styles and just how much more compressed you are when you're in uh in some of those fairways at Idlewild, at, which I'm very excited to see. What would you say is your, I mean, obviously you're such a killer forehand, but what's your, what's your bread and butter strong suit overall? Yeah. I mean, I, that, my forehand, not a lot of people have that forehand. So um, that's definitely the, the strongest part about my game. It definitely gives you, me the, the best attributes if you could say if i was like a player you know my forehand would be way up high and that's the thing that's boosting me um also some my, my putting was just phenomenal this past weekend and uh i have been putting a lot of practice on the putting green trying to just dial it in and uh i feel like my game is well-rounded for the most part except for like anything just i can't uh, did I lose these? Yeah, Bro, just yeah, for a say, second. Just say one. Say that again. What? What can't? What did you say there? You can't. Um, and anything outside of like jump putt range, I am just not too comfortable with backhand. Um, 
uh, I only power grip. I do not fan gripping. So it makes it difficult for me, but um, I sometimes just choose to, to go to the forehand instead. I think that's real common these days. We've seen this more in the last five to six years than we have in the past. Players that will, from 100 to, we'll say, 150, they choose a forehand to, to approach as opposed to when you and I were younger, nobody did that. Everybody mm-hmm. was throwing little you know, floaty backhands to get under the basket. Um, but again, I, I mean, I don't have much of a power grip. I throw with a fan grip. So I think that makes it a little more comfortable for me. I would be scared out of my mind to do a hundred foot approach shot forehand. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it, it makes a lot of sense. This event, the DDO, now that you've won and has there been talks? Well, I guess first let's ask your contract status. Are, are you, are you up at the end of the year? Or have you signed a multi-year agreement? I know your your name is now going to be um, on the on the tips of people's tongues come November. Yeah, um, well, my I signed for a year and a half at OTB, so this is my last year with Prodigy, and until they offer me something new, or if someone else offers me. Um, but I, this is my final year, and I, I hope to just continue to do well. Honestly. That's kind of my only uh, only thing I'm worried about is just continuing to do well. Put your that's right. Put yourself in a position so that you're you're a wanted man in the off season, and then I guess that kind of comes yeah. back to prodigy looking at the future. Has there been any talks? We've talked about it with every winner every week of some sort of special commemorative disc. Are we going to see? Are we going to see a stamp of you karate kicking through the tree on a on a D two or something? I I don't know. What do you? It depends on guess what you throw. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. I I did get a text uh, from Mark saying that they wanted to do it, but I haven't really heard anything since then. So I I I have no idea. Okay. Um, so I, I I'm sorry. No, that's what we're here for. We're here to put the pressure on the manufacturers yeah. to help. To help out the player, pay the man his money. That's right, pay the man his money. And yeah, I mean, would that be would that be strange to put like that type of print on a disc when it was a bogey, or is that just no, so is that just matter. so iconic at this matter. point that yeah. it just doesn't matter that everyone would know? Because we saw it's awesome to to write bogey on it and with the karate <laughs> kick. That <laughs> I mean, let's let's put it. Yeah, I'll, I'll use another maybe. Similar or not analogy, you throw in the pond on hole eight at Maple Hill, you go out of bounds, and then you re-tee, and then you quote unquote ace from there sure. for for a for a circle three. I, I know that's not how it's always played, but y- you do that, and then you would go on to win the tournament. Like if that's the most memorable shot, because uh, you aced, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm good with that. Doesn't matter. Well, one last question about the tournament, and well, we're probably gonna get let you get going here. Hole sixteen. If it's one thing, if you listen back to the broadcast, you probably heard Terry say it about 16 times. Get on the island. Whatever you're doing, get on the island. The way you throw that that mid-range or putter, the the high stall shot, as Philo called it, that's quite a dangerous throw. You could easily come up 10 short. What are your thoughts on that particular shot on 16? Yeah, so... Uh... My on Thursday, I lost the disc that I was going to throw on that hole for the week. Um, directly in the middle of the pond, pretty much, it hit that tree on the right side. Uh, but I normally I throw like a pretty stable like fairway driver low and just kind of hit the wall in the back. Um, but 
during that practice round, I threw another shot with that A5 um, and put it under the basket pretty much and uh, did that the first round and tried it again under the basket. Second round, pretty much under the basket. Um, third round, under the basket. So it, it, it was it was working. That The shot, I wasn't worried about going. I wasn't worried about um, going over the wall. It was just, I was confident with it. There was nothing else to it. It was, it was the shot that I wanted, and I, I made it happen. Can't argue with results. You can't. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about you putting it over the wall. I, was, I think we're worried about you coming up short, uh, but you had the ex- just the right amount of touch. So, like we said, can't argue with the results whatsoever. No. Uh, what was, just first of all, a quick disclaimer. At some point, I promise you, and I'm so proud that I haven't yet, at some point, I'm going to call you Peter Welk. I don't know why. I, <laughs> it, I get stupid names stuck in my head. I love your name. I think it's great, but sometimes I, I just know I'm going to. So I'm glad I, I have never done it, and I don't plan to, but it might happen. But secondly, what what has been the greatest correction or dumbest thing you've heard or most inaccurate statement when it comes to any of us in the media in the last five or six days? I mean, there's there's the post-production crew, there's the live crew, there's myself. I mean, we're all up for, you know, being being correct, but there's got to be something that was like, no, that that's just dumb or wrong or not true. Like, what have you heard? Well, I'll give it to you harsh then. Okay. Uh, this was my first experience with uh, with all you guys. Um, I've I've never talked to any of you guys before this week. You know, Jomez, uh, mm-hmm. you name it, any of them, and uh, I have nothing but compliments. Um, you guys are all so professional, and you you made me feel so warm on the inside when you're asking me the certain questions that that bring um, the spectators to to think like, wow, this kid. He, he, he knows how to talk. He can, he can answer these questions and it's, and it's your questions because you, you know how, that I can answer them instead of, uh, you know, asking me some other hard question that I can't answer. Um, but seriously, it's, it's been so amazing, uh, working with, I, I got to do more Jomez. I did a Jomez practice round today and it was, it was, it was amazing. I mean, everyone is so nice and it's, it's just incredible being in this position. Well, good. I'm glad. Uh, that makes me feel good. Uh, I, I just, I don't believe Big Germ didn't say something dumb that you need to disagree oh, with. Oh, I'm sure he did. Come on. You, you just didn't hear it yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just giving Germ a hard time. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's honestly good. And uh, in full disclosure, like in talking to your mother, you saw, I saw, she was just beaming with excitement of pride of of happiness and joy you know you, you were doing your interview with Dustin who's now watching on the board you were doing the post post interview with him and your mom's you know clarifying with me that you're 25 and that you're you know how how freshly married you are just uh you know in the last year or so and just the way you carry yourself because you honestly you speak as if you've been winning now for years and th- that's that's uh endearing that's refreshing that's exciting because you sound like a well-polished traveling professional golfer and uh i i think that's obviously only gonna continue to bode well for you 
Uh, thank you. It's, uh, I was honestly so nervous with all those interviews and I've never done anything like it. And it's, I was like shaking and, and it's there to me. But so I'm happy I got through it without like stuttering too much or, or just saying some stupid stuff. I don't know. No, you, you were, you were doing, I, I think you were endeared great. by everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Almost anybody that I heard and kind of interacted with this past weekend uh, on Sunday and Monday, everybody had said, wow, he, he's so good in front of the camera already. It's, they're really looking forward to seeing what you continue to do on the tour. But is it, was it weird at all thinking too, maybe that because you were so uh, unknown that there was this underdog tone that so many, I mean, people like Calvin, people like a lot of these players that were oh, in contention. No, what a, I, I'm sorry, Parker, but everybody was everybody was rooting for Matteo up until about hole nine. I don't care. You're, you're a great guy, but other than your mom, I think everybody was rooting for Matteo. Okay. He's been around for so long and hasn't got that win. All the all the online stuff was Matteo until Matteo fell off, and then it was like, all right, all right well, then maybe Parker. Let's see his Parker guy win. So you crushed Matteo's dreams and his fans. But what is that like having uh-huh. those? You know, all those people. Yeah, see this Cinderella story, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, being I, I always love being the underdog. Um, it's it's such a cool feeling because it makes winning that much more sweet. Um, and first of all, I, I'm not, I'm sure Calvin's not watching, and he'll never see this. But I, I gotta say, man, he's he is so top notch. Um, he he is rightfully number one, and the way he just does everything is it, it amazed me the entire time uh playing with him um before the round uh after the round the way he handles himself i was i was very impressed with him and and i kind of just wanted to follow the way that he was doing stuff yeah and and calvin another one of those guys who you know kind of quietly uh, jumped onto the scene but then continued to improve and continued to I think win people over in in whatever humorous way that he had, whether he's challenging our media crews or he's just got that yeah. dry humor and just all the different ways that he interacts, uh, it's different. But yet it's been so successful for him. And then his his action, or I'm sorry, his results speak for themselves. Obviously, time and time again. So. All right. Well, Parker, it's been incredible. We thank you so much for your time. This is always the time where we uh, encourage you to to r- shout out any sponsors, uh, any accolades, any supporters. thanks, any supporters, how people can continue to support you, uh, where they may be able to buy merch or products or or sponsors or whatever. Uh, the the floor is yours. Give us the give us the whole spiel. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun talking to you guys. Uh, firstly, thank you, Adam Hammies. I'm I'm in his bed right now at the Airbnb because it's the only quiet room. Everyone's upstairs playing poker and just yelling right now. It's it's pretty funny. I'm probably gonna head up there in a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I mean, all the comments everyone's leaving me is just it's awesome. I I love it. It's 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 really cool. Um, seeing everyone being so supportive and uh, I know they want to support me, but I don't really have, I don't have anything to uh, be supported by, I guess until if I get this disc, then maybe get the disc. But uh, honestly, just nothing. I mean, okay. Where should they follow you? We, 
We talked about your Instagram, right? You got a PayPal. You got a Venmo, buddy. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't want to shout any of that stuff out. No, Um, no. But what I will say is, talk to if you don't get anything particular from um, Prodigy for a disc or something. Work with a clothing company. Get a T-shirt. You know, work. Talk to the Pro Tour. Get something. Something that you can at least have. You know, work with your wife. Maybe she can do some shipping. Uh, in the spare time to to get a, a t-shirt printed out yeah. or something of you again i bring up the iconic shot through the uh the v tree i think that could be kind of cool and um and find a way for to find a way for your fans to support you just anyway yeah i think i'll do that but it, i don't i'm all new to this i don't really know what to do or where to go so <laughs> if anyone wants to reach out to me feel free um i'm always open well and that would be maybe one of my final questions for you is who who what other things could you use in terms of support right now as a guy on the road? You know, we, we have everything from shoes to sunglasses, to bags, to dry bags, to, to disc retrievers and a million other accessories now within disc golf. If you were, you know, if somebody was saying, man, I'd really love to get on and support this guy. Here's the product I make. Should I reach out to him? What are some of the things that you, you would entertain the idea of getting support for? I think that support is support. So anything, um, anything really. I, I think, I don't know, rags are a cool idea. Um, I don't know. I mean, support, support, like I said, but I'm open to anything. All right, people, if you make a disc golf product or accessory and you think uh, Parker might fit your, your style and or uh, you can help him out. <laughs> find a way to reach out to him uh we'd love to see it happen gotta cash in man gotta do it where and when you can and rightfully so it's there's no point in being shy about there it. are so few elite series winners every year that take it uh, we've been around for a long time take advantage <laughs> of the opportunities that are handed to you for sure. or that you have taken <laughs> because nothing this weekend was handed to you true yeah all right, Parker, we, uh, we appreciate the heck out of you, man. Uh, I can't say enough. Congrats. It, it's been a real honor and a pleasure to get to watch you and uh, take, see you take this down. I, I, I mean it when I say these are the types of things that makes my career so much more fulfilling is seeing people like yourself step into the scene, rise to the occasion, and uh, I, I'd say jump through the door, in this case, jump through the tree to, uh, yeah. to grab that spotlight and, and to earn it the way you did. Uh, it's something I'll, I'll never forget. So congratulations again, man. And thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. I'm going to go lose to, to the guys in some poker hands. Uh, I don't know how much money we'll find out. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can afford it now. You, you can now with 8,500 more in your pocket. Just uh, remind them of that. All right, Parker, have a good night, have man. A good night. <laughs> See ya. Uh, yeah, I would say he can afford it. Yeah, I, I I was just looking for some reason I I didn't get caught up in any of the of the payouts because quite frankly I'm not sure it matters whether it, Parker was getting fifty five hundred or or twenty five hundred or twelve thousand yeah. it it didn't matter because of I'm the, sure it matters to him for I, us at this point it doesn't. well I mean I I think the title matters mm-hmm. so much more even although eighty five hundred clearly nothing to scoff oh, at of so cor- of course not johnny read down uh well i got it up in front of me yeah, I'll you, just read you, them. you have it in front of you go I, ahead and i'll read, read them in front of me we'll continue in the mpo side of things parker of course your champion 8500 kelvin heimberg second place mr consistency uh 5300 he's got like take home. a 200 point lead in the pro tour 
tour standings. He's I, doing I, all right. He could take a nap on the next Making couple of Making a huge jump and uh, getting some stuff done during that last round. Evan Smith, not to be confused with Evan Scott. Unless you're me. Unless you're you or me on any given weekend. So Evan Smith, though, getting it done during that final round, uh, that bumped him up into a tie with Matty O along with Alden Harris. Ezra Robinson finished in a tie for six with Ricky Wysocki. Ben Calloway also made uh, some moves in the latter half uh, of the event, getting into eighth. Mason Marchbanks tied with Emerson Keith and Joel Freeman. Those are your top nine and ties, we'll call it. And on the FPO side, of course, we'll move over there. Haley King, your champion in dramatic playoff fashion. That's a whole nother story for another day in it in of itself, but she takes home five grand for first. She defeated Holland Hanley on the first hole of the playoff on hole number 16. It was the first hole was hole 16 and Holland came up just short finishing in second. Ella Hansen in third, Kristen Tatar in fourth, Katrina Allen in fifth, Missy Gannon in sixth, Deanne Carey in seventh, Jennifer Allen in eighth, Allie Smith in ninth, and tying for tenth were Kat Merch and Holly Finley. And Holland Hanley made the mistake twice that final day that you so obviously harp on coming up short on the island. Not You just don't give yourself a chance if you can't make the island. And we, we you, yeah. you need to make sure. I'm sure, looking back on it, she would have rather had a, a 40 foot putt against that wall for, um, uh, for a birdie, yeah. knowing that Haley was only 18 feet out or whatever that was, as opposed to having to sink from the drop zone, which looks like it's about what, at, 70. Yeah, and even at that point. Even it, if she converts from the drop zone, she's not guaranteed anything, obviously, because then Haley at, at best still you're has moving a, on. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I know I said it, and I'll say it one final time for this year that with the addition of that backstop, I mean, I, that's a crucial point. I'll I'll continue to concede with the addition of that backstop in the last few years, you just can't come up short on that island. Uh, Wow, what I wouldn't give even for somebody to to uh, buzz over the island and go over the back of the backstop. I still like that idea better <laughs> than coming up short. You just cannot, because as you just said, you can't accidentally get on the island if you don't get to it. So you have to at least get there. And and I know we saw Kevin Smith, or Kevin Smith, wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's Smith, a mixture Evan. Kevin Jones, how about? Let's Jeez. go there. Kevin Jones uh, hit the pedestal, then his uh, ultimately came back. I get all of that, but again, get it to the island. So, I have a question all for right. you. I have all the answers. Okay. I'm They're not on. usually right, though. Oh, oh, oh damn it. Um, Prodigy. Yeah. What are they doing? Look at their team right now, and things will, things will change come yeah. this offseason. There's no way you can keep an entire, well, I can't say no way, but it would be very difficult to keep an entire team of Parker Welk, Alden Harris. Then you've got Isaac Robinson, who was a major winner. Gannon Burr, who was an elite series winner and a major winner. Uh, Kale LaVisca. Kale LaVisca. Ezra Robinson. Kevin Jones. Ezra Robinson. How do you maintain that? They have the, uh, the best team right now in disc golf. If you want to talk about sponsorship. If you look at how they're all finishing, 
everybody who came in this week and and I'm sure there's statistics you could go back and look like, oh look, Kelvin is playing so well, he's cashed, he's taking podium at every event, Innova's doing good there. Discraft has such a deep team with Ezra Aderhold and Brody Smith and Paul McBeth and 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 uh, now Valerie Mondahano's back, Paige Pierce, all that. I'm sure you could you can figure out a lot of ways. But when you look at winners, Prodigy is ahead. Mm, okay. I mean, again, I uh, I mean uh, this we, is no disrespect to any manufacturer, but what I immediately go to, and I think somebody was going to do this maybe on Alta World or they do it, some kind of manufacturer's care. cup of sorts. Uh, yeah, just just for the sake of your argument, mm-hmm. let's look at the tour points, and it's just one of the many snapshots you could take. You could take a hundred different snapshots. Here's one that's not that crazy. Calvin Heimberg, Innova, and I'm going down the 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 top few people with relation to UDISC mm-hmm. uh, tour points. Calvin Heimberg, Innova, Gannon Burr, Prodigy, Isaac Robinson, Prodigy, James Proctor, Thought Space slash Clash. Varela, Discraft, Aderhold, Discraft, McMahon won't see much more of, but Discmania, Adam is Hammond. That, is that official? Or no, you, well, it just, yeah, I'm I just guess. saying it injury-wise. Uh, but McMahon, Discmania, Adam Hammis, Discraft, Aaron Gossage, Discraft, Kyle Klein, who's on and off of a little bit of an injury, Discmania, uh, James Conrad, MVP, then Alden Harris with Prodigy, Corey Ellis, Discraft, uh, Chris Dickerson, Discraft, Cole mm. Radalin, DGA. Uh, th- that doesn't if that doesn't scream dominance. No, I don't. And, think, and I know what you're saying it, by it, it's, first it, place finishes. Sp- Spot kind of nails it on on the board. Is that Prodigy is deeper with potential than any other team? Because like I said, we have you've got every week you deeper walk with in potential is an interesting it, phrase it, though. It, it really is. Um, because when you walk into an event, when I think of who's going to win this week. Kelvin's name always comes up. Yeah, as it should. Gannon Burr's name comes up. As it should. Isaac Robinson's name comes up. As it like should. Th- like, those are the three that I think of every week. Yeah, and they're leading your... And they're, and, and they're, for the most part, leading. And when you look at who else has won, it just feels like Prodigy has all the potential right now. It just, they have so much in going on. And, and like I said, Discraft is deep. They have so many consistent finishers with Hamas and Barella. Uh, like I said, Brody, Ezra, but, and Hamas does have a win. We know we, we saw him win mm-hmm. just a couple weeks ago. It just really feels like prodigy. What are they doing that they can find all this young talent? I, I don't know. Is it, is it just a, a, a breadth of signing everyone? Cause that didn't seem like it was the case. When we talked to Parker, he sent out, He's yeah, a thousand rated player. He sent it out to everywhere, and everyone turned him down. Which until which that that's twenty that's twenty twenty ish to twenty twenty three golf, maybe even twenty nineteen golf. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. As, as Parker realized, uh, 1,000 rated is no longer no. the threshold it used to be. It used to be an incredible one when you and I were playing, I, and it still is a very impressive threshold. It's a it, is, it is no longer now like the the uh, the bare minimum to get on a team. 10-10, 10-15, feels more like the one before you start having real conversations. Everyone used to say they wouldn't even think about sponsoring you until you were at least 1,000 mm-hmm. back in the day. Now 1,000 just is a totally different bar to to get to and not saying it's any easier just it's no longer as impressive as it used to be uh compared to the players there's and so how many more players exactly there's more players that are above a thousand so what, so for him before. to say that and to give us that story doesn't surprise me at all no, me neither that that there was nobody like huh what new guy we've never heard of you're a thousand let's sign you up today that doesn't surprise it, me it surprises me a it little wouldn't bit for any player it surprised me a little bit that he couldn't even get on some of the street teams because it feels like those street teams are a little bit more lax with their uh, with their signings. The Discraft Underground, the Prodigy Street Team. I don't think Innova has. I mean, they've got like an ambassador team, but that's a little different. And they have like a crew team of sorts. Crew, yeah. I guess they do have a crew team. But just the fact that I feel like it is more and more difficult to get signed. I think I've said on the podcast before, 1020. If I weren't a 1020 rated player, I don't think I would even think about touring. Like, like I look at it and I say, there's no point. Now, Parker Welk well, has a little different. I mean, he, and granted, he yeah. has been escalating his game. He, he even said himself he was going to give it one year. If it didn't work out this year, too bad. And yeah, he hit, I mean, he and, hit the lottery. But as we know, everyone also, there's, there's so much more to touring these days that's beyond just the success of how much money you're winning. Yes. I know that's the whole point, but there is so much more to embrace and be part of today. Touring around uh, back in the day meant you were literally living on ramen and, and whatever food from stop to stop. And you were probably doing very little in between those stops. I mean, you were just doing everything to barely get to the next event, to barely maybe make enough money no matter how good you did to get to the next event, things are, are definitely different, but yeah, it's a, it, it, it is an awesome story. And obviously like so many others, right. Time will tell. Um, it's so difficult to win on the tour and for Parker to do what he did is just such an anomaly to come from where he did and and you think back to his previous finishes, not being on cards, not playing under a lot of the the lights and the pressure that we've seen. Most people have to work themselves into it, as Nate Doss has said, as I think anyone would agree with. You have to build on those experiences. You usually get to a lead card and more often than not crash, right? You crash and mm-hmm. burn because you're playing under that pressure. You're playing with a, a Calvin Heimberg or a Ricky Wysocki or whomever that have won all these events, and now you have all these cameras in your face. He did none of that in terms of cracking. No, I that, think... That is what was so additionally impressive. I, I may have said it last year about Gannon when he won USDGC, like two years ago, wherever the heck that is now. 
time flies when you're old. Maybe, maybe it was good that he's so green that he doesn't understand the pressures. Because you put, and I, I, I swear to God, I'm not picking on him. You put Anthony Barella in that position, a guy who has been so close for so long. Does he react the same way? You know, because there's that. I think Anthony Barella has a lot more pressure on him to win. Nobody expects Parker Welk to win. Yeah, Nobody. Very true. Very, other than his mom. Thank you, Miss Welk. Um, nobody expected him to to exceed Kelvin Heimberg. Now you look at Anthony Barella versus Kelvin. You're looking at you're like, yeah, AB could get this. AB could easily beat Kelvin on a, on a nine hole tie at nine holes to go. There's no reason why that couldn't happen. Nobody was thinking that about Parker, and so maybe that helps him out that there was so little expectation on him versus mm-hmm. some other players. It's it'll be fun to see if he is a name that we are more frequent are, are more frequently saying come next year cuz he even had low expectations for himself for the rest of the year knowing that he hasn't played these courses he doesn't doesn't have a lot of experience on them but he was very confident he was going to win next year mm-hmm. but i mean I, I take it back not very confident he was positive he was going to win next year i believe he said it i will win next year that's Old again. So I, I don't necessarily know if I believe it, but I'm, if he believes it, that's all that matters. Uh, that's where it all starts. All right. Quickly running down. I, I basically did also just call off your top 10 in terms of our standings for the Disc Golf Pro Tour. This is going to matter more as our podcast wears on. So I'll just read off the top five in terms of what we're seeing on the FPO side for your standings. No shocker. Kristen Tatar remains well out in head ahead. Uh, she's got 140 points. And I always, when I look at that, I always think, would one win by someone versus somebody else not even showing up? Will that make a difference? So I look at like a Katrina Allen. If she won an event for 100 points and Kristen wasn't there, would she still catch her in if all things were perfect? And the answer is still no. And to me, that's when you start talking about how sizable a lead is. Kelvin in that exact same situation, we're like, that's like saying, like, well, even if I quadruple bogey the final hole, I still will have two strokes cushion. Like, it feels like that much cushion. So uh, uh, Katrina Allen in second to Kristen Tatar. Ella Hansen in third. And just barely, just eight points currently over her friend in Holland Hanley in fourth. And then Missy Gannon right there in fifth, 668 points. Literally, like, two points behind Holland and Holland's eight points behind Ella. And then Owen Scoggins does have a little bit of distance uh, behind that. But um, I think of last year, Valerie Mundahano, Owen Scoggins, Missy Gannon, those three women were fighting for places like three, four, and five all the way up until the last event or two. Mm-hmm. And right now you're seeing similar names in those similar positions. Um, yeah, so there's, there's where your standings are. Is we're roughly halfway through the season. That's why I feel like it's worth uh, sharing some of that action. I'm a little disappointed that the PDGA doesn't have ratings available for us right now. Because I, that is weird. It, there must be something goofy with the, the they may have been submitted the, and then yeah. unofficial or yeah, not official. Because you and I there was had a ratings update last week. Yes. So they clearly wouldn't be updated in terms of jumping onto their actual profile, but it is kind of weird that they're because you and I had had a, a it wasn't a bet, but it was just a discussion about whether 
1062, I think it was what it was, that Paul McBeth shot last week, whether it would win DDO, and I said it would not. No, I said 1062 would win DDO, that I felt like the winner was going to shoot under 1062 average. I don't know what, unfortunately, without the ratings on the PDJ site, we can't mm. we, we can't make that assessment. Uh, just for giggles, click on the live scores and stats huh. button. I did, did that as well that? to see if individual and rounds in, in had. Individual... Uh, so if like you look, no, uh, uh, if you have, oh. here you have to go to MPO on this side, and here yeah. normally it would say, uh, yeah. but it's not here anywhere. Interesting. Yep, it, it just doesn't have. There's got to be something going on. Yeah, because none of the rounds have ratings on them as far as what's going on. So, yeah. so we 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 can't tell. I can only assume that I was right. I was just going to say, <laughs> I would just in your case assume you're wrong. Uh, that would be the uh, smarter bet. All right. Well, with all that, uh, quickly also then touch on obviously the dramatic playoff. Congratulations, uh, Haley taking it down. You know, she had a few funny sound bites throughout the weekend, saying she felt like she played boring golf in round number two. Round number three, she wasn't really paying attention to the scores, didn't think she was playing that well, had no idea that she was in a playoff until uh, after they added up the scores. Like, she literally didn't know, well, she had a, was she just inside or just outside the circle on her, what was her second to last putt? She didn't know what that, that would have been technically for the win. That's, that's wild. You and I have said it a dozen times. I understand. Mentally, the concept that a player doesn't want to know scores because they don't want to put that extra pressure on themselves, but it is a bad decision, period. You, you, you have to be a good enough pro to be able to handle knowing what the scores are. Because if that were to, let's just say, she were tied, and all she has to do is make that to win versus lay up for a, a, a playoff and she goes at it and misses, it's a whole different ball game. Like, just, you have to know the scores and it's going to come back and bite our pros more than it has with Sarah Hokum. I think twice now you just have to do this. And if you can't, I will be the first to say it here. If you can't handle knowing what the scores are, even on the last hole, then you, then you need to have your mental game checked. You, you need to work the on truth. That. Yeah. You can't, can't handle, handle the truth. Terry. Here, here is my slight variance to that. I love the idea when some of our caddies have said, you're okay, or uh, you should try and make this. I'm like, okay with I, that. I'm okay with that. They they don't have to say, "Hey, you're tied. She's 29 feet out. You're 27 feet out." Da, 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 da. You know, like they can say it without saying it, and essentially it could come down to, uh, you, "You don't need this," or "Yeah, you you, you should probably you know if, you you should uh, you know you should try to make this," or however they want to gently ease into it. I'm not concerned if they're not like, "Hey." Yeah, you're right. You're 27 under. So and so's 26 under, but they're right next to the basket. And if they eagle and if and if a train leaves Cincinnati at seven, like I, I get, you may not need to know all of that, but you should know on the last potentially the last part of the round if you need to run it or not. And I agree. Maybe they had an extra code word that would have been in that scenario, and 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 maybe Haley and her caddy said, you know what? Unless there's something I absolutely need to know don't just i'll just keep doing i'll just keep doing what i'm doing and and maybe and what again mm-hmm. hindsight's 2020 because they you know they won. won and that's what matters but i i do understand and agree with what you're saying of 
it feels like you're playing with fire to not have any idea what the score is relative to second place. Second and third, third and fifth. At this point, maybe none of that matters uh, in in their career. If you know someone's running away with it and and you're in second, third, fourth, fifth, I'm with you. But yeah, but, first place, staring over the second to last putt with a drop off behind it, potential roll away. I I, I hear what you're saying. So mm. um, at any rate, uh, Haley King, your champion, Holland Hanley and Ella Hansen, two more women that will both get wins. Clearly, it's just a matter of what weekend. Somebody should have a pool going. I know they have their own side bet. There should be a pool because at some point, you know, one of them's going to win. And do you hope that it comes down to a tie between them at some point? Oh, and then they go into a yeah. Are they going to a playoff? Like That's, how brutal is that? Is that it's the, gonna be? Is that the ultimate scenario? Let's just say it Des Moines is. suddenly. Obviously, they've got the side bet with the hair dye. Comes down to the last hole, Holland versus Ella, and they have to go to a playoff. What happens? Wow. I mean, well, I mean, put the stakes bigger, right? Let's say their first win is actually for the Worlds, or their first oh, win geez. is for the Pro Tour Championship. Uh, that's almost too much. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want that. That's wild, uh, but uh, I guess we'll see what happens. All right, let's see what happened. Well, I mean, I was going to say anywhere else in, excuse me, in the country. Nope. What about in the, in the world? In the world. This was actually a kind of a busy weekend for events. Uh, just on UDISC, you can, look, you can look and see they have the DDO, which we watched. Uh, the Kona Piste, which was going on the Disc Golf Network before DDO and during it. Yep, yep. Uh, that men at Kona Piste were playing while the women played DDO. You also had the Norwegian Disc Golf Championship and ULA. ULA is the Prodigy Discs Pro Tour, which is more or less the Finnish Pro Tour. It's all it's all fins up and down, super heavy field. Um, I guess, we, and we'll start right there. Winning at the Ula was uh, Mira Raihanen. Sorry, Mira. Miro, sorry. I need better. My eyes are bad, honestly. And I swear to God, wow. like I, I mean, I, my eyes are like wow. I'm pulling dying. out all the stops. I'm here. slowly dying. <laughs> um, second place was uh, Yessi Niemannen. Third place, Uni Armanen, and fourth place, Laurie Lettinen. So that that was your top, and 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 Laurie was probably the favorite going in. Loses mm-hmm. by ten strokes to, to to Miro. I'm not reading too much into it. Just like you know, we we're just like right now, we're going to talk about the Konopiste and Paul Macbeth losing to Antala by. 12 strokes overall after on the second round, Paul McBeth shot the course record. He comes out and just plays flat, really flat. Like, like you and I have a decent day flat, Terry, mm. you know, where he shot the thing a 980 round rated round or something. Ouch. Yeah. It was, it wasn't pretty, but does it matter? I don't know. Probably not in the grand scheme of things. Does it matter still, to whom is the question. He, he's still Paul McBeth. And you know what? He's already moved on to the next event. Uh, but winning that one, like I said, was uh, Nicolas Antala. Second place was Daniel Davidson. Third, a tie with Hjalmar Fredriksson and Jakub Samarad. I think I did okay there, Ter. Mm, nailed I did it. Okay. Um, and then finally, because I'm Norwegian, we're going to talk about the Norwegian Disc Golf Championship. 
winning this one was Oyvind Jan- Oyvind Yarns. Sorry. Uh, second place was Marcus Yortoft, tied with Henrik Allen, and in fourth place was Stian Sunnis. Wow! And look at the start to his uh, his final yeah. round there, starting out birdieing eight out of the first ten. That ain't a bad way to start. Not at all. It looks like it's... the hottest start of all the competitors. Yeah, he shot nine down, and the next closest I see is five. Yeah, he moved up seven spots in that final round. So, congrats. Yep. So that is the that was the Norwegian Disc Golf Championship. Just a lot of golf in general this weekend. Very yep. sp- in Europe, particularly very spread out. Um, there, there's a lot of talks about the European tours, and I know I've discussed it couple of weeks ago about why each tour is kind of the way it is, but we're going to, I think over the next couple, uh, couple of years, we're going to see that get sort of sorted out. Uh, the Norwegian disc golf championship on the FPO side, uh, Anakin Steen wins this over Luke Lorenson. And for you, for those of you that don't follow social media, you'll know that Bradley Williams now is over, is not defending his title at, the preserve at the preserve because he is already over in Norway. Yeah, wow. So he he neglected to try to repeat. He took this week off and next week off, and is going to love will Norway. make you do some wild things. You know, what's love got to do with it, Terry? What's love got to do? Got to do with it. Uh, the Kona Peach Day Open. <laughs> Rachel Turton takes this one down. Do. Keep singing while got I do this. Do uh, second place, Sophie <laughs> Bjorko, tied with uh, Katie Alsalu. I should know that one because Katie's been uh, overseas here for a little bit. Though that is your ultimate overall European thing that I'm sure I've <laughs> massacred all your names, so I will not be getting a call to do commentary for them anytime <laughs> soon. Okay, but if you if you, if you want, I'll do it. Fun. Uh, anything else uh, stateside that was? Uh, I mean, obviously there. I think there were some uh, eight years probably taking place. We could quickly jump through a few of those. There might uh, be. that got played. In, I don't really care in about some them, places. Terry. Okay, well then we don't have to. I don't care. Yeah, we I talked care, about it. we talked about all the big ones. Uh, we can let the PDGA podcast talk about those other ones. That's how I feel. Oh, speaking of, let's quickly touch on, because you heard it a few times this weekend. Yes, we will uh, soon be having our voting for the PDGA Board of Elections or PDGA, yeah, Board of Elections. Uh, The Board of Directors. Board of Directors, the election for the PDGA Board of Directors. (laughs) There you go. Board of Elections. The Board of Elections. Board of Elections. Uh, Almost 460 episodes. Nailing it. Uh, Seven years. I did. I will I will hold back any uh, uh, official bias and or uh, comments on it for now, but I did listen to all six of the candidates. Ooh, who should and I you vote think, for? Why would you do that? No, well, you should. I was on a ten hour drive to Kansas, and I thought, Oh my I, lord, I, poor! I, I want to do this anyway. Allie, your daughter <laughs> had to sit and listen to that. Yeah, she did. Uh, but I wanted to do it anyway, and I thought there's Sorry, no Allie. better time to do this. Now, to be fair. They, I think they all ranged from roughly 15 minutes to 20 minutes. And every single one of them, I was at least in 1.5 speed. So you speed that up. What did I just say? 15 to 20, whatever that is, 12 to 15-ish minutes per times six. That's 90 minutes, whatever it was. It was 
perfectly fine. I listened to them all, just hammered them all out right in order. Yes, my daughter was with me. She, I think, was listening to Taylor Swift or something at that time. It was late night on Wednesday traveling, and it was really honestly a good time to get it all in. So I was happy to do so, and I just I can't say this enough. Go do it for yourself. Just that's, tell me who I should vote that's for. what you have to do because I feel as if their their uh the candidates' enthusiasms, their initiatives, their perspectives, their history, their qualifications, their background, all of that is pretty well uh on display and, and brought out within these interviews. And it's a relatively short time frame, but all of them kind of started with some form of a background. And then they went on from there, talked about different statements and different initiatives, projects, things, statement, uh, platforms, you know, those types of things. I, I think it's a really, really good chance. Of course you can go out and just read stuff too, uh, that I know is all out there on the PDGA website, but seeing, hearing some inflection and excitement and tone and all that other stuff that goes with it. Grant Zellner from the PDGA did it. He always does a phenomenal job with everything he touches. So I would uh, I would go out and uh, recommend it. Good. I think everybody should go and we have to that. six candidates that we are ultimately going to have two board members, and currently there's two that are the uh, incumbents in uh, Jeff Hungerford and Nate Heinold. Nate Heinold. So those are two of the six. They're in there along with four others. I, I don't know if we, I mean, I, I kind of glossed over this, but DGN having two broadcasts going on at the same time. Okay. The, the obviously with the DDO and then over uh, the, uh, uh, the Konopishte. Mm-hmm. The Konopishte studio. Did you see that, Terry? Do you see the picture? Yeah, it was kind of a green, green screen, it digitally like the, framed up. The, I believe the, it looked like the desk was real. Okay. And then the rest was green screened, I believe. That's what someone else said. And I said, no, that desk wouldn't be I, real. I don't know. I, th- I think it was. The way the way their arms were resting on it, it felt Couldn't like you it just might... green screen. You could that. green screen the Literally front. Literally green you could screen cover... the desk and then you could. You could have a real desk with a green screen anyway, cloth yep. and, and do that. It looked it, to me it, it looked real. Obviously the background was not. And the commentators speaking in a foreign language to them, English to us. Mm-hmm. I got to listen to a little bit of it, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, one thing I really liked, and something I've always said I, I would do if I got the opportunity to do commentating, they dressed up. They had a suit jacket and a nice shirt. I don't know if they were wearing pants or not. I didn't get a chance to check. doesn't matter. Yeah, pantsless would be the way to go there. That would be the way to go. But they classed it up. Unlike the U.S. Yahoo's like you, just polo it. <laughs> hey, I have cheap. a button-up. You're right. You do have a button up. The other Yahoo's. You're, even though your button up's a short sleeve, though. You <laughs> guys are true. all. You guys are all Yahoo's. Not these guys. No, these guys look professional. I like that look. I really. really? I, I truly do. I you truly, don't think it's too much. No, I don't think so. I I, I like the the, okay. the 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 commentators the buttoned up look, but I believe it has to. It kind of has to go with your studio. Sure. It, it, you know, <laughs> put us with a background of barbecue and uh, at a picnic bench. It might and not. Then, like, and then I was going to go old school and be like, put us in front of a bed sheet. Maybe not. But <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in general, I do like the, the slightly more buttoned up look. It, it's just it's a little more classic. 
I know it's a little stuffy and we're disc golf. Yeah, we don't have just, to be. It feels like it, it just it 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 just exudes a level of confidence. I believe to the viewer that that you're professional and you know what you're talking about as a as opposed to and that the polos that we wear aren't bad. Your button ups aren't bad. They're just not as professional looking, in my opinion. Okay. I mean, everyone everyone can take it for what they want. Everyone has their own opinions. They're all wrong, and I'm right, but their opinions nonetheless. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. I don't watch enough other sports to give a lot of, a ton of comparisons, but I, I feel as if we kind of fit the part. I feel like it is roughly on par with it, but you're, you're not too far off. All right. So uh, I did hear the, the, the brief res- uh, not response. Sorry. Some feedback that I heard is that overall people seem to really enjoy the commentators. Of course, as you just mentioned, uh, speak, not speaking in their uh, native tongue, so to speak, but overall it seems like it was very well received. I guess my question for you would be, just kind of on a little bit higher generic level, what kind of overall workload is that in terms of having two, two streams taking place or is it because it's different people? It's different. It people. really doesn't matter. No, what kind of workload it doesn't it matter. My understanding is the way the, uh, the DGPT is working with the company called Pulsea. That was all announced uh, months ago. Uh, Mo and Jeff spring. I, Jeff, I believe, is staying over there. I don't know if he's coming back or not over the next couple of weeks, but he did fly out there on Monday, I believe. Mo came back yesterday or today, uh, but he was out there producing the first show. So if you look, that is, it looks like they took our DGPT template, picked it up, and dropped it in place. And so the graphics were the same. The transitions were the same. It was all the same. Drone shot. Uh, a lot of very similar, the, the intro, the opening was the, a typical Mo opening where you go, all right, we're going to, you know, we're going to start at the second card. We're going to see the player who's winning warm up a couple putts. We're going to talk to this person. We're going to, you know, in general, normally we do like can of current conditions and all that stuff. It was, it was very much scripted. I pretty much identical to our pro tour one. Cause I think they want a consistent branding. Yeah. So, which makes a lot of sense. So Mo was over there teaching them. But as far as workload, we've got our guys here. They've got their guys there. They're really, it, it doesn't do, there's no difference. You know, it, okay. it does, it, nothing they I, did there affected. The, we well, yeah, about. I was just going to say, so the workloads are roughly the same, but they're two entirely different staff and crew. And therefore it's just two sets of people all doing a bunch of work. And it happens to all reside on the, on the disc golf network. I feel like, rewind a few years and there would be a lot more overlap of some people pulling oh. some form of double or triple duty to make things like that happen. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the, the workload is really, Hey, we're, we're doing a major production here. We're doing a major production over here, two entirely separate things. They just happen to all be uh, available to you in one spot. And I, I guess that was the clarification I was looking for everyone to to have and to know out there. Either way, it's big for the Disc Golf Pro Tour and DGN that they are they are starting their European broadcasts. And we're going to see the DGN broadcasts as well as the Disc Golf Stream broadcasts. It's there's a lot of live golf now. If you want if you like live golf, my friend, 
be prepared for the next two months because you're going to get your fill of it. You certainly are. And speaking of getting your fill of it, there were some fill-ins this weekend. First and foremost, congratulations. Uh, a shout-out to Jamie Thomas and his wife. They welcomed their second uh, child into the world this weekend. Uh, Bravo. And uh, with that, I think there was a, uh, a, a I don't want to say a minor health concern, but whatever health concerns they have have all been uh, alleviated and everything uh, turned out to be safe, happy, honky-dory, all good. So congratulations uh, to Jamie Thomas and his whole family. I say all of that, and all of that especially matters because as as late as Wednesday, again, when we were on that drive down to the event, which was about 10 total hours, I had a production meeting for Tournament Central, which is a role now. I've, I've played a couple different roles. I've been the host during Music City Open. That was my first time hosting. And then at the Portland Open, I was alongside Brian Earhart, where we were both on site. This particular weekend, the plan as I was driving there on Wednesday, the plan still was <laughs> Jamie Thomas would be my co-host, but he would be remote, and I would this time be just exclusively on the ground. So every time I've been part of Tournament Central, there's been a different format or variant to it. I'm all for it. That was the plan. Uh, all good to go. Uh, Jamie's and and his wife's uh, baby came along a little bit earlier than planned because this was Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, by Friday, uh, or or just prior to Friday, Jamie was out, and the PDGA's uh, Grant Zellner stepped in. And so Grant Zellner, who originally was not planning on it with me, stepped in on Friday and was the host for all four of Friday's shows. The pregame, FPO, postgame, pregame, MPO, and MPO, postgame. I got to watch some of them. Always love Grant's intros to you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't, I guess I do blush, but that guy, uh, cracked me up. Yes. Every time and, uh, was, was all too kind to me. So yes, I appreciate that. So that was Friday. Then (laughs) that Saturday was a little wackier because Saturday morning we had a brand new guy step in Luke Humphreys who had undergone some training or possibility of being involved at champions cup until Luke Humphreys earned his way into playing in on champions mm-hmm. cup. So Luke Humphreys uh, was, was a reserve that hadn't yet ever been called into the, uh, into the spot. Well, he could help me out on Saturday morning for the M- FPO pregame and on Saturday afternoon for the MPO post game. So he did those two shows with me, the middle two shows the FPO post and the MPO pre that was along with uh, Hayden Henry from the PDGA. And he was on site with me as well as, as uh, Luke was, and then throw all of that aside. Cause then come, uh, so thank you to both of them. Then come Sunday, uh, our, our beloved dust, Justin Murray, who's out on the board usually as well, along with Hayden uh, dust stepped in and was then the host for all four of the shows on Sunday during that final day. So I went from one co-host offsite to four different hosts throughout the weekend. I roll with the punches. Yeah, Miller. but it was great in the sense that it was roll so fun to work punches. with all these individuals and have a good time with it. Uh, some shows were a little better than others in, in terms of my, my direct involvement uh, and what I was doing, but overall it was a lot of fun. And, and so we appreciate everyone's feedback and interest and hopefully you're finding value 
in any of those tournament central shows, whether it's myself included or uh, any of the hosts and other people that we've had, I feel like they've gained some momentum and some traction. And I, um, it just took a while to find their footing. I mean, yeah. we, we started the season with uh, a guy named Andre who had zero disc golf experience, but, mm. but put out a, my understanding is when he got the job, had a really good sizzle reel. Didn't work out for him as well as uh, Liz Lopez, who was a former disc golfer mm. and didn't work out for her. And I, and I feel bad for her because I think she was put in a rough position with Andre who didn't, it just wasn't a good pairing. And, and they, unfortunately, they ate a lot of crap for having kind of a mediocre tournament central and nothing you can do about that because we kind of all knew going into this, that it was going to take a little while to get the right workflow, the right momentum, the right people in place, the right, everything, the right scripts even. And, yeah. and it did, it took up until probably a month ago, maybe a little more than that, that everybody was really hitting on all cylinders and it it's, uh, it's much better now and it's much better received. Uh, also joining or, or stepping into her first ever live production mm-hmm. role, Sarah Holcomb. And Knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought she was also great. It was, I had her in my ear uh, every single morning, her along with Ian, as I was out there, I was going to say, wandering around the course. I guess I was diligently, you know, uh, finding my way around. And she was great. And I think she will only continue to improve. Not that I have any major uh, feedback whatsoever in terms of any any uh, drawbacks or setbacks or challenges at all. There was nothing. I was like, oh, my God, I don't believe she's saying that or doing that or whatever. She was great. She's a pro. Yeah. So I thought she's that done was... a lot of post-production stuff. And, exactly. And I believe that she just has a really good knack for not over-talking and doing some pretty good explanation for the women's golf. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and another new thing. And I don't know how much that's going to be too commonplace for. Obviously she's still a very much a competitor. And if she doesn't want to, or see herself competing in an FPO division or at an FPO event, she has the interest mm-hmm. and ability to compete in the FP 40 divisions. And so, you know, I, I look at her like a Juliana, uh, uh, Corver in the sense that, you know, flexible or versatile in that sense. And uh, who's, who knows where her career is going to continue to take us, but I, her take her, but I think she's going to continue to be involved in some capacity. I, I'm excited to have a follow-up with her because I'm hoping and assuming and thinking that she overall had a positive experience this weekend. So don't know. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Maybe when they're off camera, Ian was punching her. He has done that. Yeah. Yeah. He once tried to hug me too tight. What? But I was like, not possible. It's not possible. Try again. There's no. <laughs> I was like, try again. <laughs> not tight enough. Try again. <laughs> we just kept that. It was a fun little game. It we was played. like weird and creepy like you are. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, there was a, a lot of stuff going on at the DDO. And then we'd be remiss without at least mentioning, yes, the question is begged, has been, has been posed and asked, do we need the amateurs at the DDO yes. uh, to help with, uh, you know, the overall feelings, the vibes, the excitement yes. of the event, but then also to help as part of the spectatorship. Yes. There's been a lot of talk about the pricing of the tickets, $100 for the entire weekend. So 33 bucks a day. 
I don't necessarily think that's out of uh, the realm of price ranges that you would really look at and scoff at. I don't think paying 35 bucks to go to a, an event is crazy. It feels a little bit high to me. Like I'd like to see 20 to 25, but that's just a gut. That's literally anybody. And I'm in a different position than somebody else. So whatever. I think the big issue is the, just the location. It's, it's hard to get people to come to Emporia. Emporia welcomes disc golfers. That whole city loves to have us there. It doesn't mean that they want to come out and watch us. And the disc golf community in Emporia isn't that big, like in the city of Emporia. So you're forced to draw from people that are an hour to two hours away, all, you know, surrounding and, you know, whatever your heat map is. I just don't think Emporia or the DDO has that kind of draw for spectators. It, I think it's, it's, and I know I'm on a very small island here, like whole 16 size island. When I say that the course gets a bad rep, because I feel everyone looks at that course and says, "Ugh, an open course, Heiser Fest." I don't see it that that course that way. I think the course has a lot of nice, different types of shots. We see, we see forehand, backhand, flex shots, rollers. I'm okay with that. I like to see a little bit more wind at the course because we're in Emporia. But again, I'm on a different island for that particular uh, take. But I will say the course doesn't necessarily sell on coverage that well because it does look so open. And if you're not really paying attention and watching very closely, you're not seeing a lot of these different shots. You're just seeing a player throwing another open shot you know, oh, oh, cool, they had to hit that that gap 40 feet in front of them, whatever, it's just a straight shot. It's more than that, especially on the back nine. The front nine, I can admit, gets a little bit repetitive, but I still think there's unique shots. I So me personally, I don't mind the course, but I think it does have a, a rep that people are kind of done with it. And it's a different golf-style course than what we're seeing in other parks. OTB. I don't think you would look at OTB and uh, and DDO and look at and say those are nearly the same type of course. Portland looks completely different. The closest you have to that DDO course is maybe LVC. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of the LVC courses. I have a hard time distinguishing the two of them. And that's partially my own fault because I don't tend to pay a lot of attention to the two of I like the event itself. I think they run it really well. The Jaquas have done a phenomenal job. But the course kind of blends, the courses kind of blend together. Having three of them there, it's just too much for me and my brain melts. I know Emporia inside and out. I've been to the course. I've watched it every year. Every hole I'm 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 familiar with. Except for the ones that they changed this year. Come on, guys. Why do you even change me? Yeah, why change it on why, Johnny? Why change it on me? I'm I I got the same show. So going back to spectators. I just don't think you're going to get people to to drive to Emporia for this. Um, so if you want the spectators, you got to bring it back the amps. Now, it. I don't know if that's what the Pro Tour wants, to be honest. I don't know if there's something behind the scenes that the Pro Tour is saying, we don't want to compete 
with this AM event. We do, we want the focus to be on this event because even if you bring the AMs, let's say the AMs are done on Saturday and Sunday is wide open. You're going to get a bunch of them to stay, mm-hmm. but that's not going to help your, your ticket sales for that much on Saturday, Friday. Sure. You know, uh, yeah, it'll, it, it'll help it, a little bit. Yeah, it will to some degree. Sure. Because you've got some players who are going to start in the morning. Some players who will start in the afternoon. So you will get some people to come out, but I, 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 I don't know. I know there's been talks of, you know, maybe they move that maybe they move DDO to Kansas city and you've got the KC wide open and the DDO in Kansas city, different times of the year. I don't see the DDO ever taking over Kansas city. Kansas city wide open is doing their 41st year this year. So they're not going to stop calling it the Kansas City Wide Open sure. anytime soon. There's an established event there. I don't know what the right answer is. Maybe the Pro Tour doesn't care. Maybe Emporia does it so well behind the scenes, mm-hmm. which I know they do, that the Pro Tour is like, all right, if we sell 500 tickets, if we sell 1,500 tickets, it's not that big of a deal to us. Just keep putting on this awesome event. Behind the scenes, yeah. I mean, if there's if there's solid payout on a you know, on a course, and I haven't heard any, I've not heard one player complain about the course. I no, saw, in fact, almost quite the opposite from what I heard. And I may have said this during one of my check ins. I feel like it feels as if the players are seeing the course continue to dial in. Players really seem to like the changes this year uh, with at least holes 11 and 12, and then maybe uh, part of the change then on 13. But they like the new 11 and 12 in which they played. I I don't know if I – I didn't hear, honestly, a ton of feedback on the new 10 to the old 11s basket. Uh, That hole, it felt like a little bit of time, and then people eventually figured that one out. But it seems as if a lot of people really enjoyed – the couple of changes that were implemented for this year. And I'll, I'll echo that from a player perspective outwardly, not to say it doesn't happen in other places, but outwardly, I didn't hear uh, anyone really complaining at all in terms of the course, how it's played that, you know, all those things that it features. The other quick thing that I'll just throw out there and we can move on from this is I, I agree with something you touched on earlier in that it, plays it feels different when you're watching it there and and i'm no mm-hmm. you know i'm not i'm not a paid shill for any any course or event i will say though uh, a lot of people might not love the course that or they may say that online or they don't like how it plays online i don't feel at all like it's a wide open course i'm walking the fairways i am walking along the lines and seeing how these fairways have narrowed continued to narrow just like USDGC has done for many years, these fairways continue to get more and more narrow, and it isn't just throw it wherever you want kind of golf. And would would you love more trees? Yeah, sure. I I don't I don't think anyone would disagree with that. There's no one in the world that would say, yeah, I wish there were less trees. Would you like more trees if they were available? Of course you would. But the course, maybe it's a combination of how they're playing it, playing it so well because they've gotten to know it. Or it's just maybe how it comes through on video. But in person, I will say this, after walking six rounds of it again this year, it doesn't play as easy as I think some others think it does. And you may or may not enjoy that. I understand. I can still, I'm not, I'm not dismissing 
I'm not dismissing your opinion as to if you enjoy watching it or not. I'm just saying when I'm on site, there's times I'm like, I'm genuinely worried if a shot's going to come in bounds or how much room they really have or where the pinch point is. And I think that is part of it is the OB. People don't love the artificial OB. And, sure, I, and, sure. and we've said it year after year after year. If DDO could trench the, the sides of the golf course and put water in there, they would. Yeah, then people would love it. Exactly. But you can't. And I understand it's it's it can be hard from a viewer's perspective to spot the OB. Why, you know, why when you skipped a little bit into this fairway, is it OB here? But on the next hole, you skip a little in that fairway and it's not OB. I think 13 and 14 kind of have that problem from what I remember looking at the maps. The OBs are a little, I don't want to say they're weird, but they're different than the other holes. Sure. And and so that's kind of where I, I feel on that. Someone on the board mentioned something about Paige not liking the course and not showing up. I don't think that's the case at all. Paige hasn't Paige hasn't gone for a couple, I think a couple of reasons, but this weekend particularly, she was at Bonnaroo doing clinics with yeah. a bunch of Discraft team guys. I believe Bob Julio was there. Um, I think at one point, uh, I think Tina Oakley was there as well. And I think mm-hmm. there were a few other Discraft people. She was she's starting to move into a stage of her career, <laughs> for better or worse, called the Paul Macbeth stage where she's caring less and less about these elite series events and more and more about her, we'll say legacy, what she's giving to the sport, what she's doing five years ago. I think she'd have been at this tournament. Now she looks at it and says, I can probably accomplish more and make myself better known and, and more popular by doing this other thing. And, and it just happens to be that she loves music festivals in general. So going to Bonnaroo was a super bonus for her. I'm sure. But, I think that it had very little to do with um, the course or even any sort of issues her and Dee Dee had years ago. Yeah, I, I I feel like that is a lot of that is in the past, and Paige is just in a different spot now. Yeah, I I I'll say if it was if it uh, I'll slightly contrast you in the in the, just in the sense that if it was a course she absolutely loved, like was one of her favorites, mm. then I think she'd have a tougher decision. I still think but she'd go to Bonnaroo. I, exactly. <laughs> and that was going to be my point is I still think she'd go and take the opportunity that she did this weekend. Um, you know, if, if it was up against, we'll say a Maple Hill or, you know, which everyone loves, then maybe her decision would have been a little bit tougher. Although she would have still probably went to the music festival uh, at this stage in her career with, like you said, the things that she can mm. accomplish from that perspective. But if it's a, it, it, it was a, yeah, maybe if it was a flip of the coin or a little less than that, yeah, she she was giving the nod to the to the festival in this case. And again, um, yeah, go go enjoy yourself. It doesn't have to be all disc golf every weekend, every time. Um, it, yeah, and it's and as far as one last thing on Emporia, I get that people are burned out of Emporia in general. We've been there a lot over the last two years, with Worlds being there, and sure. I think five times over the last two to three years. So I get that. No one's going to be sad if we just go there once a year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, there's, there's a reason though, that why the, the PDGA and the disc golf pro tour have continued to go back there. It's because reliability, trust. reliability and the fact that they can put on these events that they put their everything into hosting these tournaments. And that's why they were, originally awarded three years in a row of the junior worlds, uh, which was a new, which was a new philosophy at that time. And the final uh, year ended up being during the first year of COVID. 
but they were awarded that. And why we're see, we've seen a few world championships there, junior pros, am worlds, pro worlds. We've seen mass, you know, all these types of things happen because there's so much trust and there's variety within the courses. Maybe the kicker is Emporia has got a lot of great disc golf. It's just unfortunate that they're they're when you're hosting the highest level event, it's not their most beloved course being, uh, you know, their toughest courses aren't their most beloved. If you were playing some other divisions there, and you got to go play some of their other courses that fit you, like a Peter Pan comes to mind, mm-hmm. you're loving it. You're absolutely loving it that much more because of the style of the golf. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, but it, it's certainly not from any lack of heart from the city or from dynamic, which is something that I do love. That that just You can't put that on paper, and that's why we continue to and, see events there. Same reason why... Worlds gets given, so to speak, to Jeff Spring and his crew. Why Nate Heinold and his crew get to run Champions Cup and Ledgestone. Reliable crews that the PDGA can trust. They run the biggest events. There's a reason why very few new events pop up on tour their first year. That's why they're they're that's why we have the Silver Series. But yet, you know what? I bet you if Nate Heinold and his crew went to um Montana or Idaho found a great course and said, we would, we have scouted this course. We love this course. We think this can be a pro tour course year one. It would be on the pro tour. I guarantee it. If something like that were to happen, because there's so much faith and trust that the PDGA, the DGBT have in those few and those few TDs and trusted groups that they could pull that off. Whereas if, if you or I went to the pro tour and said, Hey, we have this awesome course in Milwaukee and is, and it, it, let's say it was a pro tour caliber course. And we told them we had $25,000 in added cash right off the bat. They still would look at us and go, cool. That sounds like a great silver series to yeah. me. Just the way it works. Uh, and someone just for clarification, John had asked, why are they not playing Peter Pan? Uh, it's, it's just, it's not long easy. enough. It's just, it's just not long enough, tough enough. It's a phenomenal course. That's why I mentioned it. It's you're, great for If me. you're ho- holding in a, a, a junior worlds or an advanced worlds or or certain levels within your you know your age protected division, so on and so forth. It's it's a great course for certain divisions. Uh, that's that's why we're not playing. It was played not that many years ago mm-hmm. within the Pro Tour uh, or, or and the and the uh, glass blown open, but we've just disc golf's outgrown it. You know from that. Um, Competitive standpoint. Yeah. All right. Let's move. Uh, Ray says, is there room for any event on tour for a par three course? I I would love the, to the see preserve. it. The preserve is basically a par three course. There's a few par fours out there and a par five, but it's a birdie. It's a deuce or die course. You is it have, deuce or die? Uh, you mean it's birdie do- or die? It's, it's definitely it's, birdie or die, but there's a lot of deuces on that course. Is there? I think there is. Yeah, but would there be ever be a... A par 54, mm. a true par 54, or a true par, we'll say only 56, probably not. I I would be entertained by it, but then you'd have just as many people saying as much as they, uh, you'd have a, a lot more people complaining and saying this is too easy, uh, they shouldn't be here, versus the people that would say, hey, this is a lot of fun, this is relatable, I actually 
um, can see what they're doing on a course I'm familiar with. Go to info. I'm looking now. I, I, for some reason, I thought it was more of a birdie or die, but we'll see if it if it. No, I mean, that. there's a ton of birdies. I, you're you're I, right I mean, on that. Deuce or die. But right. I don't think deuce or die. I mean, scroll up just a tad, and it'll tell us. Uh, oh, sorry, course stats. If you click on that, that's what I was looking for. Okay, that should give us total distance and scores. I mean, it's 9,500 feet. It's a par 67, so it's got 13 mm-hmm. holes that play, you know, over a three. All right. So maybe no. it's not deuce or die, but it's, but it's birdie, birdie or, or yeah, die. Yeah, because you have could, to birdie. You're every right hole. in that there could be 14 or 15 or 16 birdies in the round, mm-hmm. and then there's a couple of eagle opportunities. Absolutely, yep. that are very eagle able. Yeah, if that's the word. And, and I like. But it's not birdie. It's, it's not, it's not a par three course. You're right. It's not a deuce or die. It's a birdie or die course. Um, and I love the preserve in that it's a different style of golf in that every shot, if you don't take a birdie on it, you know you've lost one to the, to the, to the, to the, to the most of the field. Like Almost all these holes you're looking at, okay, cool. I didn't birdie this one. I probably lost it. I probably lost it to 30% of the field here. Um, and, and so that is a different style of golf than we'll say Maple Hill where you cannot get a birdie on even hole eight and say, eh, okay, I'll make it up somewhere else with the preserve. There's almost no making it up because <laughs> someone's getting it. Someone's coming out of there with a 14 to a 15 to a 16. Yeah. And especially with the fact that they could end with an Eagle on the very final hole uh, always adds to that uh, anticipation. So, all right. Do we have any, uh, any other regular show news here? We that's don't. worthwhile. We don't, we don't, we don't. We don't. Okay. Well, then I think we'll we, can, after uh, show. we can wrap up and uh, get on to an after show. With that, uh, we invite you to join us in the after show where anything gets talked about, disc golf related or otherwise. We'll probably be some continuation of the Frisbee word thrown around in some capacity. Um, and we'll have our giveaway. Our Patreon giveaway will take place then. That's Ooh. where you're, of course, eligible if you're a Patreon Supporter, you're automatically eligible every single week to possibly win something. And there's also an additional chance if you head over to our website, you can click a few places there and get yourself signed up um, if you don't want to support us in any financial capacity. And that that's fine, too, as long as you're no, here. it's not. We appreciate you, kind of. With that being said, we got to thank Parker Welk, uh, this incredible story Great for kid. this weekend. And uh, so excited for him. We're excited to see what he can continue to do if he can back up uh, some of that uh, enthusiasm, excitement, uh, confidence, everything else. Uh, we're we're looking forward for the story here in the remainder of 2023 and beyond with him. Uh, we appreciate him joining us and giving us some of his time in his very very newfound uh, busy weekend <laughs> life. Uh, for Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. That's been Podcast 460. We'll see you in the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 